So a few weeks ago, while I was on Christmas break, Molly and I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about Rube Goldberg machines. Now, if you don't know what a Rube Goldberg machine is, I'd recommend that you take a look this afternoon. Not right now, because I'm talking and you're listening, but go check later. Uh, look it up on YouTube. It's, it's where you build a complicated contraption that uses a series of chain reactions to do a simple task. It's kind of like the old mousetrap board game. Like this ball knocks into this cup and then this rolls another ball down the ramp and all of these different things will happen to make something go. And we got really pumped watching these videos. We thought, this is such a cool idea. We're gonna build one of our own. We're gonna make an overcomplicated way to get the soccer ball through the garage door. So here's a video of Molly explaining all that's supposed to happen and then a video of our Rube Goldberg machine in action. Check it out. This ball will roll through here and here it'll knock over these dominoes um, and these Jenga blocks knock into the ball which will knock over these blocks and this right here when it falls over it'll trigger this line, pull this out of the way and have this gumball roll down this tube into this cup which is full of other gumballs, it'll tip over and it'll go through this tube, um, um, uh, believe it or not, and then uh, the gumballs that fell through the tube will knock over this one, which will knock into this one, which will knock into this one, which will knock into these um, uh, dominoes, uh, and then uh, the, these last one will knock over this tower again, and then it'll make this domino slip out of this one, which will trigger this, and it'll go sweet, and hit this ball, and it'll go into the garage. Okay, let's hope it works. First try. This is not the first try. Okay, ready, go. Yeah, so that was our best attempt out of like 15 tries. We never got it to go quite all the way to the end on its own, but it was still pretty exciting seeing the different steps of the process do what they were designed to do. And we had to tweak the distances between the dominoes. We had to change the angles of the ramps so that the balls wouldn't roll too fast or too slowly. And to be able to watch it over and over again and seeing certain elements, not all of them, uh, but some of them work the way that they were supposed to was a pretty exciting thing. And some of the videos that you'll see in these Rube Goldberg machine videos, uh, they have hundreds or more steps along the way. They're super, super complicated. They go all over people's houses. And at the very end, when everything goes right and the, the task is accomplished, you'll see some of these creators celebrating pretty big. Yes! Well, that's kind of what we get in the Psalms of Orientation. They're a celebration of the good work that God has done, of things working the way that they're supposed to. Now, these Psalms praise God for his creation, for his wisdom and his law. Several of the Psalms, in fact, talk about the law of the Lord being good and useful. Now, the word law in this case isn't referring to rules and regulations, like a list of 
do's and don'ts at the public swimming pool, but it uses the term more like God's will and his purpose for creation. So when God's law, his desire for his creation, is realized and people see that, then it's something to get excited about. And the result is praise. These psalms have also been called uh, the psalms of the satisfied. The praise you give to God when things just seem really, really good. When you're in a land that is plentiful, when streams of abundance flow. And I think we have all experienced these moments. It may not be a full season of your life necessarily, but throughout our day, there's these little moments that we just have to sit back and go, man, that was good. That was good. Think of the good feeling that you get after you've had a really productive work day. Or think of how loved you felt after you were going home after a surprise birthday party. Or even the afterglow of a satisfying, intimate experience with your spouse. It's those moments that you should stop and say, praise God for the goodness of life. It's tempting in these moments when things are really, really good to say, yeah, good for me. I made this happen or I deserve all of this. But the psalmist teaches us to show gratitude to the giver of all good things when we're in these moments. Some might hear the phrase, Psalms of the Satisfied, and think, well, I'm not wealthy enough to pray the Psalms of the Satisfied. I don't have enough power. That might have been well and good for King David when he was at the top of his game, but I don't live that problem-free life, so this isn't the Psalm for me. But you don't have to be wealthy or powerful to be satisfied, or to be grateful for the good things in your life. Take a minute and think now how you respond to just the daily occurrences in your life. Do you thank God for the good things in your life? Or is the daily bread that God gives you never quite enough? Think about this. In moments of joy and satisfaction, do you remember to pause and praise God? I remember one time, Lisa and I were in grad school. We were on a flag football team. And the football team was terrible. We were just out there to get some exercise, to have some fun. We weren't trying to win games. But this one season, we got a really, really good player on our team. And uh, he was this excellent receiver. He was super fast. His name was Michael D. And I remember one time, we were both running toward the end zone. And the quarterback threw the ball. And who knew where it was going to land? And then Michael D, he's running. He turns, and without even looking, turns around, immediately catches the ball falls backwards, does a backward somersault, and then pops up, makes the touchdown. And I watched that and I went, whoa, Michael D, that was amazing. And he got up and he said, "Woo, praise God. (laughs) I just remember that moment, just taking a moment to go, that was a good catch, that was a great touchdown, praise God. That's important to do in those good moments, to just stop, give God credit. Maybe you do that, maybe you don't. But I want us to practice this together right now. I want you to take a moment and think of something good that you've experienced recently. It doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to solve all your problems, but just something that was good that you said, man, I like that. All right, and on the count of three, we're gonna say that out loud. So make sure you got it. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus. That's all you gotta do is just identify something and then give God praise for that. So let's just do that right now. Lord, we see the good and the beautiful things in our lives that you give us or that you allow us to have access to. And we thank you for them and we give you glory and praise. That's all it takes. That was a pretty good impromptu Psalm of Orientation that we just wrote together now. But let's listen to how Psalm 33 praises God for his goodness. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. 
it is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp, make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true, he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars, he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be, he commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations, he thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. These Psalms of Orientation aren't just for when things are great. If you wait until everything's fine to praise the Lord, you won't praise the Lord very much. I remember a couple years ago when I was planning my six-week sabbatical, uh, Lisa and I were trying to figure out the perfect time to put it on the calendar. We thought, oh, maybe we'll do it at a time when things aren't so busy at church and at school. Maybe we'll do it over Christmas. What about like December, November, December? What about summertime? Lisa was pregnant at the time. We were about to have Lucy, so we had to take that into consideration. We came up with a lot of different potential windows that we could put this break into, but what we came to realize was there's not going to be a perfect time for this. At the end of the day, we just have to decide, and we just have to do it. Praising God is kind of the same way. You can't wait until everything is perfect, because that doesn't come around very often. But you can praise the Lord for His goodness, even if you're in kind of an in-between place yourself. And the last three verses of Psalm 33 reveal that even the author of this praise psalm might be in an in-between place. Take a look. Here's what we have in Psalm 33. After a call to praise the Lord with instruments and voices, and then there's several lines about the good order of God's creation that reveal his wisdom, the psalmist says these words of hope and trust. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. These lines remind us that even for those who extol God's praises and thank him for providing so much, some things are still unresolved. Though God's creation is good, and we receive many good things from God, we still wait in hope. There are still things that need to happen in our lives, in our relationships, and in our societies. 
And we're going to have to entrust those to God to do the work of restoration. As Christians, we find this trust in God's restoration to be well-placed. Because yes, the law of the Lord, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for his creation, has been rebelled against. And the Apostle Paul identifies the leaders of this rebellion, sin and death. Remember Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8? But as the Psalms sing about God's faithfulness to Israel, we can sing about God's faithfulness to all creation through Jesus Christ. Because we know that sin and death were defeated when Jesus laid down his life on the cross and was resurrected. He is our hope for life that truly is life. A life that sings God's praises now and also looks ahead to singing his praises in his presence when we are with him face to face someday. So with the psalmist, we praise God for the restoring work that he has done, the work that he is doing, and the work that he will continue to do. Next week, we're going to dive deep into some psalms of disorientation, the laments that shout out, Hey, the world is not all as it should be, God. What are you going to do about it? We'll get there. But this week, I hope that you'll practice an attitude of gratitude. Pause in your satisfied moments and take the time to say to the Lord, Blessed be your name.